His love is like a rolling river, a clear and cool retreat, flowing on in calm and beauty, gentle, ever sweet, ever gentle, ever sweet, gentle. shower with a steady beat sprinkling drops of joy and beauty gentle ever sweet It's good to see so many come in this day, and I want to thank you for coming and for paying this respect. I feel honored myself to be here, to be a part of this parting, not real parting, but just saying goodbye <laughs> for a little season. And uh, thank you for coming, and I know we all feel the same. Uh, Brother Harold left a, a mark in our life that we somehow we feel... It was our blessing to be a part of his ministry, his life, and uh, as a person, as a friend. <clears throat> and uh, to all the folks online, we thank you for logging in today. The family's particularly happy that you're logging in, Sister Leanne, and the whole family. We thank you for praying for them. I know it's always hard. Partings along the way, it, it makes, it, it leaves behind us sadness that we wish we didn't have to go through, but 
But thank you for all your prayers and your time for the family, the support. And I'm going to ask Brother Ed to come up and open in prayer. Would you stand, please? We can bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to have you. We're so grateful that you are faithful and you are true. Lord, you've been faithful in our lives. You're faithful to bring us into the world and watch over us. You're faithful to see us through as we pass from this life. And today we want to give you honor and we want to thank you. Lord, we want to ask that your great Holy Spirit would brood upon us today. May it bring comfort. May it bring peace. May it cause us to reflect. May it cause us to consider, O oh Lord, our path as we gather towards this great reunion. We want to thank you, Lord, that as you came into this world, and the Bible would say, light came in to the world and the world perceived it not. Lord, you as the great masterpiece, the diamond, you also had little portions of light that were to come in through the ages. And it was your pleasure, Lord, to allow a little part of that light to be upon your servant, Brother Harold. And Lord, maybe we didn't recognize it, but Lord, may you cause us to know that we were blessed. And Father, may we also recognize we ourselves are little parts of that. And may we also recognize our portion. This morning, Lord, we want to honor you. We remember Brother Harold, but we want to honor you for what you'd wrought through him. And Father, we would ask, O oh Lord, as we reflect on what he did for the bride of Christ around the world, what he did locally, but Lord, also, may we just stop and think what you spoke to us individually through his life. And Lord, as we do that and as we today will attempt to find words and there'll be pictures and we as men, we will try to give the right amount of respect and credit. But Lord, go beyond all of that and impress on our hearts the portion of the race that lies before us. Father, may you bring in a depth your spirit to every heart, whether they're here or they're listening. We pray your comfort for the families, not just today, but in the days to come. And Lord, may we recognize that it's you. You're still the one that's with us. You're going to bring all your children home. And we're looking for that reunion. Bless this day, Lord. Bless our gathering. Lord, and I pray your blessing on every order of this service as we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Precious memories
God bless you. You can be seated. I want to give a special thanks to all the ministering brothers back here. It's good to see you here. God bless each one of you. And um, the family, of course, they want to say as much as they can in a short while and, and be as blessed. And this is not a sad moment, yet it is a sad moment, but it's a glorious day. And I, if I know Brother Harold at all, which I, we grew up together, so we've known each other all of our life, basically. And uh, he didn't like a lot of sad things. Uh, he wanted to sing some glad morning when this life was over. <laughs> then we're going to sing that, and I'm going to ask Brother in the eulogy, Brother David, Caleb, and Levi, if they get ready. They are Brother Jerry and Debbie, Debbie's sons, Brother Harold's grandsons. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. you're all wondering why I gathered you here today. Well, thanks everyone for coming and to celebrate my grandpa's life. I'm David, the oldest, and Caleb and Levi, the baby. He was a special person and he dedicated his whole life for this gospel. Harold Ben Hildebrandt was born on April 5th, 1942 in Hogg, Saskatchewan. He was the ninth of ten children of his father Jacob and mother Justina Hildebrand. He's predeceased by his parents and his siblings Gordon, Irma, Stella, Elf, and Earl. Grandpa went to school in Grenthal, Saskatchewan, close to where the family lived. After finishing grade eight, he thought he had enough education and went and wanted to go into the workforce. The real reason he wanted to find a job to get away was to get away from home where the rule was half the money you made had to be given to your parents and he thought that was crazy. <laughs> so off he went and found a job as a farmhand 10 miles from Herschel, Saskatchewan and that farmer's name was Bud McTavish. He was a Christian man and invited grandpa to come to church and while at that church a young lady caught his eye by the name of Marlene Beaton. And soon after, they were courting. Marlene's parents didn't care for Grandpa. He was wild and looked like that Elvis Presley guy and Johnny Cash. <laughs> after working for a couple years, he decided to head to the big old city Edmonton, where some of his siblings lived. One of his big sisters, Rose, took him in to live with him. And after a few months later, Marlene followed, and they decided to get married. Rose put on a little reception for them in her basement. On August 19, 1961, Harold and Marlene were married. And on January 7, 1963, their oldest daughter, my mom, Deborah, was born. Marriage wasn't blissful as they had hoped. Grandpa wanted to party all the time. I'm learning some stuff here. <laughs> Grandma had had enough and called her dad to bring the truck and get their things because she was moving back home. 
Great Grandpa Beaton came and didn't bring the truck. He prayed with them and told Grandma if he, Grandpa if he didn't get his life in order, he would be cut off. He told Marlene not to worry. He is going to get saved and he will be a preacher. That night, having nightmares that he was dying in a car crash, he surrendered his life to Christ. And after that, they started going to house meetings with Mays and Beaver families. And on February 10th, 1964, along came their second child, my Auntie Wendy. Thank you. Thank you. I got the work gospel portion. Um, Grandpa's brother-in-law, Lothard, got him a job at the Canadian Bedding, building furniture and upholstering. He enjoyed his job and flourished at it. A few years later, he started his upholstery business and called it Hell's Upholstery. Grandpa felt the call to preach and started his own house meetings in the late 60s. He only had a handful of people, which were all women. That had its challenges, but he made it work. For a few summers in the early 70s, Grandpa and Grandma would, and the girls would drive through the states preaching at a little house meetings. They got to know lots of people and wanted him, that wanted him to come back and preach again. While driving from city to city, Grandpa figured that this was the best time to sing. The girls weren't too keen on that idea. So as soon as he would start singing, both girls would pretend that they were sleeping. <laughs> Auntie Wendy remembers flying kites, ice fishing, and duck hunting with Grandpa. This gave them both pleasure. Grandpa also made time for the girls at the, when the local carnival would come to town. The highlight was getting cotton candy to share. They also drove all the way to Alaska one summer and stayed in a little Inuit village. While Grandpa was studying for the evening service, the girls were outside playing on the steps. They were running up and down and making quite a racket. Grandpa came out and said, who wants the licking first? Auntie Wendy volunteered, and because she did, she got off the hook. Mom was not so lucky. Grandpa always had a yearning to go to Africa. He made his first trip in 90, 1980 with Brother Don Bablitz. Grandpa fell in love with Africa. He saw the need for the word, and there it became his passion. He established many churches and taught the people how to set them up and how to be sovereign. Grandpa and Grandma went to Africa annually for the next 18 years. They had a special bond with the people. Grandpa made sure many, many message books were sent over to Africa. He bought his own printing press and started making the books. Thousands of books were sent. Different brothers and sisters would call late, pack, and ship books out. And I, I just want to say on the on an end note, like Grandpa with going to Africa and stuff like that, like he, he had a gift in his life to preach this gospel. And I, I think all of us have gifts in our lives, but not, not many of us max them out to the ability that Grandpa did. Like, he affected, he, he affected so many lives with his ministry. And, I mean, we're all here because of his effect, right? But, like, he affected cities, but not very many people can say they affected a whole continent. And that's what Grandpa did with Africa. So we're just so thankful for that. So my, my mom wrote this for us, so. <laughs> That's why she's adding stories about her getting lickings and Auntie getting away with it. I should have proofread it though, so. After Grandma passed away in the March of 2001, Grandpa thought his life's work was over, but God had different plans for his life. He started dating a young lady from the church named Leanne Sitar. And it's funny because we all called her Grandma Lee before she was a prospect. That's the power of, the, of your words. She became our Grandma Lee. And uh, he tried to get in shape. 
So uh, Auntie and Uncle Blaine hooked him up to an electronic pulse machine. Auntie turned it on full blast. Yeah, he's screaming and hollering, he never touched that thing again. <laughs> on April 6, Grandpa, 2002, Grandpa and Leanne got married. They went to Africa twice. They had their third uh, trip planned in 2003, but found out they were expecting with Melody. December 8, 2003, she was born. Soon after, they moved to the acreage by Spruce Grove. Two years later, a son was born to Grandpa, Joel, and he shouted, I heard, hallelujah, when he found out he finally got his boy. Grandpa loved playing guitar, singing, and being a tease. They enjoyed family vacations, going to Mexico every winter. Grandpa loved fishing. So as often as he could, he would take the boat to the lake and have competitions who would get the most and the biggest fish. Grandpa very much enjoyed his life on the acreage, having coffee on the deck, hearing the birds sing, enjoying all the many flowers he insisted being planted. Grandpa loved cutting the grass in his John Deere tractor, but shoveling, hated it. In 2010, Grandpa was diagnosed with Parkinson's. He slowly started to slow down and was not able to participate effectively as he used to. In November 2014, that's when he had his major heart attack, which he was very fortunate to survive. Other health issues arose and complicated his situation. I, actually, I remember <laughs> we went to the hospital while he was in the hospital room. He's on the bed, just had his heart attack, and his foot was sticking out. And in comes Joel, and he starts tickling Grandpa's foot. He's like, ah! So if anybody brought him back to life at that, Joel. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. You were like eight at the time. But as, as he deteriorated in health, he never complained. He always was steady. He never complained to the Lord about it. And he, only, he only asked the Lord for strength so he could serve him better. Grandpa was fighting a, uh, a cold the last few days on April 27th, around 6 p.m. God chose to take his servant home. So Grandpa leaves behind to mourn his sisters, Esther, Rose, Elvina, and his brother Orlando, his wife Leanne, his children Melody and Joel, Debbie, her husband Jerry, Wendy, her husband Blaine, his grandchildren Rachel and her husband Scott, David, his wife Mavi, Caleb, his wife Natalie, Bree, her husband Rick, Levi, my wife Christy, and also 12 grandchildren, Lucas, Austin, Jonas, Roman, Charlie, Archer, Lincoln, Mahala, Eliza, Ivy, Emery, and Liam. Also numerous, numerous nieces and nephews and many, many friends around the world. I had the fortunate opportunity to go to Africa three times and I didn't understand the impact that Grandpa had on a continent, like Caleb was saying, until I got there there were hundreds and hundreds of people that would come up to me and be like, oh, but your grandpa and grandma, they changed our lives. How your grandpa stood for truth, it changed countries across this whole continent. And it was then I started to realize the, the gift that was in the man's life. And if I could also say, if you've ever been hurt by grandpa, his personality, his, his boldness, his, his, the way he was. We don't, know, we don't know how Martin Luther was to be around him, but we know that he changed the very form of the gospel. He was a Reformation messenger. And I believe that Grandpa didn't care about your feelings as much as he did getting this gospel out. So if you've been hurt by him, 
He didn't, he wasn't very, very, he didn't have soft hands. And I, I appreciate a man that could stand for truth over and over again. And I'm reminded that, that there was one time in Africa where the thunder movement was going through the countries there. And he went over there and he stood. And I, I often think like Caleb stealing the people before, before Moses said, are we going to believe this or are we not? Grandpa stood there for truth and he said, are we going to believe our prophet or are we not? And I believe that man was, was blessed with the gift to stand in his position and push and push and fight and battle. And I, I, I stand in awe at what God, and I want to be very careful I'm not uplifting a man. I want to be very careful to give the praise to God. God worked through that man's life. And everybody in this room knows that you've been affected by, by a man's ministry. And, and our souls will be latched onto that soul. And we want to thank the Lord for his life. Thank you. We're going to have a special song, Sister Wendy and Sister Debbie and Sister Melody. Let's sing, By and By, When the Morning Comes. By and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God will gather home, we're going to tell the story how we've overcome, and we'll understand. Turning back, I just want to. 
don't regret a mile if you would take that sister Wendy can you just stay there for a bit <clears throat> amen thank you so much for that song I know there's no turning back what would we go back to the bridge is all burnt we died with him and rose with him amen I don't regret a mile that I've traveled for the Lord. The great missionaries, I don't regret the times that I've trusted in His Word. I've seen the years go by, many days without a song. I believe they're going to have a tribute, uh, Brother um, Ron Spencer video tribute at this time. God bless you. I, I'm certainly honored to, to speak and have a part of Brother Harold's memorial services this day. Brother Harold was a true friend of mine, a true buddy. He was a true mentor. For many, for many years, I knew him as, as a, a convention speaker way before that we became acquainted as a young man or as a young minister. He had great influence on my life. Over the last 20 years, I've been having the ability to be able to come and speak to you as an audience there at Edmonton. And to speak to the, uh, the congregations that came in from everywhere that was there for the meeting. 
Brother Harold was a brother. Brother Harold was a mentor to me. Brother Harold was a great friend. We traveled in a lot of different realms. We were blessed. We were able to vacation together a little bit. Sister Leanne, this is not the end. This is only a new beginning. We would look back to Jesus when Jesus prays. He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory and the honor forever. Amen. Brother Branham gave him an incredible illustration. He said, if I should take a trip tonight and go up to heaven and Maybe speak with Father Abraham. I'd say, Abraham, what is the most glorious thing that you have ever known? What is the most essential thing that you have ever known? And Abraham would say unto me, life eternal. If I would take a trip and, and go and we'd go to the great archangel Gabriel who is the messenger of the covenant to the Jewish people who stands at the right hand of God, one of the highest orders of angels of heaven. And I would say to him, Gabriel, thou art a mighty angel. You have loved God. You've been here for the eons of time. Perhaps you know everything in the heavens, where everything is placed, because you're God's right-hand angels. And you know the great secrets of all of heavens. You sound the trumpets at the coming of the Lord Jesus. You announced his first coming. You shall announce his second coming. So you must be a mighty man or a mighty angel. I want to ask you, in all of God's great treasures... What is the greatest thing that you have found amongst his treasures? And I can see Gabriel bring himself to attention and say the greatest thing that I have found in God's treasures since he created me in life and made me to live for eternity, that there is life eternal. No matter how rich you might be, no matter how popular you might be, no matter how or who that you might be, the greatest thing that you can achieve is eternal life. Though you would be a king or a potentate, though you might rule the world for a million years, king, young man, and you fail to find eternal life, you have lost the greatest thing that you could lose. I've often said it, if I could be a young man and, of 25 years old and God would appear to, on the platform and said, I will turn you to 25 years of age and then you can remain that for a million years and I'll make you king over all the universe.
everything will be at your command. Or I'll give you a, a hundred years of misery and woe and trouble and sorrow. But at the end of that, of that hundred years, I'll give you eternal life. But at the end of a million, you're lost. I said, Lord, I don't want to wait any longer to make a choice. Let me have the, the choice of a hundred years of misery and woe. Any kind of death that you would choose for me to die. Lord, give me eternal life. Brother Harold made that decision. I can just see God releasing one of his attributes. No doubt as a young man, he did not realize that he was going to be a general in the mightiest army of this last day. He would be raised to be able to stand as a general to preach the greatest message that's ever been preached. No doubt his family never saw that potential inside of him as he was beginning to raise up. His family would call him cute. That's a personal deal, but he would raise up. And as he would raise up and he would grab a hold of the message of the hour. He could have been a businessman. He could have gathered great riches on this earth. But he made a choice to give his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just for the local community, but for the world. Brother Branham would be, would even make the quote, had I not went. Had Brother Harold not went, how many thousand ministers were affected by his ministry? How many millions of books was printed from the printing stations? How many incredible dollars was spent to send to take care of churches and families? Incredible situations. All of that now becomes great rewards. I knew Brother Harold personally over the last 20 years and I watched, I watched age begin to grip a hold of him. But there was something on the inside of him that was eternal. That that element of humanity could not destroy. For most of us, we're very sorry to see him go. It's bittersweet. We watched him struggle. Sister Leanne, I cannot imagine the work that you have done. I have admired you for now decades of how that you loved him. As you told me the other day, I love that man. And I believe that with all my heart. Incredible children that you have produced. Joel and Melody and I've watched them grow up. I've been a part of your home. Been almost family to you. I'd like to thank you for allowing us to be a part. It grieves my heart I can't be there on this day to celebrate his life. Maybe in the June meetings I can make it more personal to this audience. Brother Harold was a pioneer. He was a stabilizer to many people. He was an establisher. He 
was a foundation man. His legacy is more than an awesome family. But it's an awesome church right there in Edmonton. He wasn't selfish with his pulpit. He brought men from around the world to stand behind there. Accolades were given to him through his life. The other day at his 80th birthday, what a celebration that was at was. We as men can only say how much that we loved him, how much that we cared for him, how much we enjoyed fellowship together, how much we enjoyed preaching with him in conventions. For his family, my heart's desire is that you knew who your father and your grandfather was. He's more than daddy. He was more than granddaddy, and he'll be more than great-granddaddy. But he's one of the greatest legends of the message of the hour. Eternity will hold what has happened. He stood and preached sermons like the lion hath roared. Washed by the water of the word. And I can, I can just hear it over and over again. Ever present truth stood in the pulpit here. And I can remember the couple that gave their heart to the Lord as Brother Harold stood in this pulpit and they're still with us today. God's rich in mercy. <clears throat> oh, what a reunion it must have been like the other day. To step from this realm to that realm. To meet his wife. The hugs. The generals that he's preached with. All through the ages of his sermons. Now he sees it's so real. It's more than a sermon and more than a quote. It's more than a song. It's more than a guitar that he played and we all enjoyed. But now all of heaven's glory is now with him. He stands with the, with the people of the ages. They stand and rejoice together. They probably won't get finished because the time is coming to a place now to, to where he'll come back and see us. What a great phenomena. What a great man. Sister Leanne, our prayers will be with you. Joel, my heart's desire for you is to grow up and be the man your father was. Wendy, Debbie, all of your families, Melody, we'll never forget these days and we'll never forget the hours. We'll cherish memories. But what was preached across every one of those services, may it now live in our hearts. Now I turn just for a couple of moments. He didn't leave just a family for a legacy. He left a church. Growing up as a young man in his assembly, Brother Ed Hammermeister, 
that we have watched over the last two decades at least take his place. And I've watched the supernatural leadership of a team gather to their places and raise the manor strong not to just have a church, not to just have a place of worship, but that this message can live. Brother Ed, there's a lot of struggles, but you've been taught some incredible lessons by, by a great leader. Brother Harold's ministry was, was not built around personality to where the church will now become a ghost town. But it's been raised as a powerful church. A powerful church where the supernatural has been for decades. And now leadership will go forward, even in a greater way. Because as we get closer to the rapture, it'll be greater. Memories of yesteryear we'll always hold. But our focus is to press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. We as a body of believers here in Virginia, we love you. As a friend, my heart has been broken, but I'm happy. I'm happy for Brother Harold. Parkinson's can no longer hold him. Colds and situations of life that has caused weaknesses no longer destroy a day. Because where he's at, death can't touch him ever again. He'll never have another trial. He'll never have another anxiety. Oh, what a place called heaven. I can hear words saying to him, Harold, welcome home. What a place. What a place. Brother Harold, you'll hear it from a much higher than me, but a life well lived. Thank you, Brother Harold Hildebrand. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Ron. God bless you so much for those words. I just couldn't pass up and say this about Brother Harold. For the past 20, 30 years, at least, <clears throat> we've got phone calls and different times people say, um, my name is so-and-so, I'm from Ghana, Zambia, <clears throat> and I'm planning on moving to Canada, and I've been looking for a place, and said I called Brother Harold, and and one of, one of the ones I particularly remember is Brother Gift Marufu said, greet the family. Brother Gift was one of those that uh, was coming to Canada for schooling, agriculture, and university. And he looked for a place, and he wanted to start in Montreal, and there was no room. And went on to Vancouver, no room. Finally, Edmonton looked like a good place, no room. He said, the only place is open in Saskatoon. <laughs> He said, they don't have a church there. I don't know anybody there. So he called Brother Harold. And Brother Harold said, yes, they've got a church there. His brother Menno. Call him. Here's his number. He called, and he's been there now for 20-some years. 
been a real great blessing and wasn't ministering. He had just worked with the youth and I saw a gift in him. That I, I, I saw the real gift in him. <laughs> and he's been preaching uh, ever since. He's been there all these years. It's a great blessing. He sends his love to you and said they wish you would have been here, but they had other plans. So God bless you and thank you so much for that. <clears throat> um, a tribute. <clears throat> it's done by the granddaughters, uh, Rachel and Bree, if they would come up at this time. Uh, let's just sing Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. Mm, hold to God's unchanging hand. Just hold to God's unchanging hand. Just build your hopes on things eternal. Today is a celebration for our grandpa, a joyful occasion he has finally reached his goal. He was a bold, confident, and fearless man that ran a tight ship and held a high standard. He dedicated his Christian life to leading people to the Lord and spreading the gospel. He followed God's will for his life with the most utmost determination. That took a very specific nature, a faithful soldier and defender of the cross, but he was also just our grandpa. Everyone else seen a preacher, a man whose presence demanded respect, but we just seen grandpa, false teeth and all. <laughs> Sneaking ice cream onto pancakes, sketching cowboys, the biggest tease with the greatest sense of humor. We never had to worry about getting dessert because food was never far from grandpa and he had to have dessert with every meal. He loved to play mini golf and race go-karts. He was always up for some fun, as long as he had that comb in his pocket to fix his hair. <laughs> Singing and strumming the guitar was how he expressed himself. He loved to hear mom and auntie sing. It made his heart proud. You're a piece of him, and that's how he connected with you. His family singing for the Lord and ministering back to others gave him joy that he had instilled in them to give their life, their gift, back to him. Grandpa had grit and courage. He was stubborn and German to the core. He didn't live wishy-washy. He lived his convictions. Though we got to see just Grandpa as grandchildren, we will all hold respect and remember him first by his work and life for the Lord. He was a go big or go home kind of guy. We will, sorry. God used him big and now has decided to take him home. If grandpa could echo one thing tonight, it would be keep pressing the battle. We love you grandpa, you've left quite a legacy. Thank you. That is uh, daughters of Blaine and Wendy. I've got to see that. 
Most of you know them. When our journey is completed. When our journey is completed. Then if to God you have been of the journey. <clears throat> we just heard Brother Ron expressing what the prophet said. What if Brother Harold's million years was just up now? Then it would be gone. There'd be no memory. It'd be over. But now it's just a changing of the drama <clears throat> from mortal to immortality. Eventually, the entire body will be gathered together. Amen. We're going to have a little slideshow at this time if they got ready for that.
Through it all. 
musicians preaching old time salvation, telling the people that they must repent. They didn't bow down to the creeds of men, they just went wherever God would send. They were the voice of many waters, taking the message wherever they went. Oh, it's the voice of men. Produces Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 produces Revelation 4, 1. My sheep hear my voice, and as strangers they will not follow. Little bride, you're not in the winner's circles. You are the winner. There's a cloud of many witnesses saying you can make it. Oh, Jehovah God. Let's run. Let's, let's get back in line. Let's run back to the world. Hurry, hurry! The force of the Run! Let us run! What shall I do, Paul? Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Lay aside every unbelief and let us run! There is no one else to run. They left their homes and families, went to the mountains, deserts, and valleys. They stayed right with the word at any cost. It was a five-fold ministry, preaching Christ down through history. The voice of many waters, taking Jesus to the Lord. The voice of many waters, taking Jesus to the Lord.
any church in town. But in the amen corner of that church sat Brother R. And he insisted every Sunday on singing in the choir. His voice was cracked and broken. Age had touched his vocal cords. And nearly every Sunday he'd get behind and miss the words. Till the last that storm cloud burst and the church was told in vine that Brother Ira must stop his singing or the choir was going to resign. So the pastor appointed a committee. I think it was three or four. They got in their big fine car and drove up to Ira's door. They found the choir's great trouble sitting in an old armchair. The summer's golden sunbeams lay upon his snow white hair. Said York, we're here, dear brother, with the vestry's approbation to discuss a little matter that affects our congregation. Now it was our understanding when we bargained for the choir that they were to relieve us. That is, they do the singing for us. Now we don't want no singing except what we bought. The newest tunes are all the rage. The old ones stand for naught. So we've decided. Are you listening, brother? stop your singing. It's messing up our choir. The old man raised his head, a sign that he did hear, and on his cheek the three men caught the glitter of a tear. His feeble hands pushed back the locks, as white as silky snow, and he answered the committee in a voice both soft and low. I've sung the Psalms of David nearly 80 years, said he. They've been my staff and comfort. can't hold back a song. I'm wondering if when I try to the tide that's breaking at my feet and my heaven, far off heavenly temple where my master I shall meet. I'm wondering if when I try to sing the songs of God up higher, if they're going to kick me out of there for singing in heaven's choir. The silence filled the little room. The old man bowed his head. missed him for a little while, but he was soon forgot, and a few churchgoers watched the door, but the old man entered not. Far away his voice is sweet, and he sings his heart's desire, where there are no church committees, and no fashionable, old fashionable choirs. Don't you want to go with him to the glory? 
sick and blue. I want to see Jesus. I would like to hear those sweet harbor bells chime. It would brighten my path and would vanish all fear. Lord, let us look past the curtain of time. Lord, let me look past the curtain of sorrows and fear. Let me view that sunny bright cloud. It would strengthen our faith and would vanish all fear. Lord, let them look past the curtain of time. that most of our pictures were taken in Christ. They don't pass away here, the pictures. We've got memories years and years. I don't like to look at the ones that were taken out of Christ. <laughs> I like to see the ones that were taken in Christ because they won't pass away. <clears throat> they just shift to an immortal body. I know Brother Hell could have had pictures of movie stars, athletics, great heroes of the world. We all could take pictures, but the greatest heroes there is in the world is the overcomer, the real believer. I'm glad for, we're going to have Brother Pruitt minister in a little bit. We're going to give him a little time, and we're going to sing a, 
a song. What will it be when we get over yonder? You know that one? Give me a key if that you would. I think we know it. Mm. What will it be when we get over yonder? heads for a word of prayer. Father, as we bow before your throne of grace today, our thoughts, Lord, are on heavenly things and an earthly life that lived among us. We thank you for the grace and the mercies of God that has brought us to this moment in time. We thank you for the promised grace and favor that will lead us on. We are here, Lord, in this moment and time, and we're asking your blessings upon us, your, your favor, your presence to come, your anointing, Lord, as we speak. Lord, that you would just lift our hearts and our minds toward glory and what you have done for us and the mercies that have been shown. And to realize, Lord, today that there are new mercies for us in this moment. And we're here to partake of that. I pray that you'll bless each one that is assembled in this family. Every home that's represented. Every heart and life that's been touched. Those that are streaming with us today. Oh God, we ask that you do special things for each life and each heart. I ask now that you would... Bless us as we speak about you and the Word of God and the servant that you sent among us. May your presence just permeate this place and feel us, Lord. Fill our mouths with the good things that we should say, Lord, and 
I pray that you just show us the way forward now as we go now in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can take your seats. I want to give greetings today to you as the saints of God and to the family of Brother Harold Hildebrandt and to the End Time Message Tabernacle and those that are streaming around the world. And I want to say greetings to all this host of ministers that are here and to support us in this moment. I stand here today as the smallest among you to pay tribute to a giant of a man among us that God sent to us, and we want to express our love to his wife, Sister Leanne, and their children, Melody and Joel, and, and also to um, Brother Harold's daughters and husbands, Sister Wendy and Brother Blaine and Sister Debbie and Brother Jerry Fury, who's a minister and pastor in his own rights, and here supporting his wife, but could be sitting here among us today. And of course, all his grandchildren, loved ones everywhere. I assure you the Hildebrandt family is loved and admired by many around the world. And you may note that we have heard from ministers far and wide. And I had a wonderful um, video clip there from Brother Ron Spencer. You saw a miracle that was um, trying to minister to you in a very difficult time in his life. Also, uh, my friend, Brother Donnie Reagan, and his wife, Sister Carol, wish to express their sincere condolences. And, and uh, I, I just want to say, Brother Harold Hildebrandt enriched my own life as I heard him preach many wonderful messages. And I also traveled with him uh, into the foreign fields to Nigeria and Cameroon and Kenya and Uganda and saw his work firsthand. And and uh, the books and tapes that was there were supplied by him and End Time Message Tabernacle. I will say this, he didn't build himself a kingdom. He never stepped out of his position to think he knew more than the prophet messenger. But every church he touched was able to remain sovereign. And um, so, you know, we, we had a lot of experiences going there, preaching in conventions uh, where there would be 800, 1,000 or more that would be assembled together some way down in the dark parts of Africa where um, there was seldom a white man had trod and and, uh, they were not very familiar with us and our ways. I remember one uh, particular service in particular, Brother Harold kind of got a little bit of a rough throat, so I supplied him with a um, ice blue uh, cough drop. And uh, so, you know, as he preached that night, everybody was mesmerized because here was this white man with blue eyes and a blue tongue. (laughs) They had never seen a blue-tongued, blue-eyed preacher before. He spoke about his hair. If you noticed, even in some of the um, events there, whether it was boating or out there with the dolphins swimming, his hair was perfect. And, um, you know, we, we um, had one particular service where he was preaching on the washing of the priesthood, and many of you will remember that sermon. And his interpreter was a short man, a lot shorter than me, little guy, and he was just washing him real good and <laughs> washing all over his head. Then it came his turn. He said, no, no, you don't touch my hair. 
the funniest thing going along in Uganda. And of course, you know, the, we driving along in a car without air conditioning and the wind is blowing and um, he ran out of hairspray. <laughs> we stopped along at every little store along the country and nobody had ever seen white man's hairspray in the dark places in Africa. <laughs> so, you know, they, we had a lot of wonderful moments and times and um, together as we uh, heard the, the word preached and the, these moments were treasures. Um, I got this from Brother Joe Daniels that just said on the behalf of the African ministers, they'd like to convey our deepest sympathies and more acknowledging Brother Harold's labor in Africa as a whole and our minister group, which includes many countries on the continent. There's, there flowed and is still flowing great appreciation for his work here. He dedicated many churches, including ours. He ordained many ministers, held innumerable conventions, and above all, as a recognized missionary, he was a setter in order, and he, connected, he corrected many errors in the message community. He will no doubt remain alive in the memories of the African believers. And today, the bride people from all over the world have stopped for a moment, and they've stopped to mourn with you and also to rejoice with you. Uh, and to thank the Lord for Brother Harold and his ministry that has literally affected many people around the world. And, and today, many of these can say, if you had not gone, Brother Harold, and in time, Message Tabernacle had not loaned him to us, and, and he reached beyond your four walls, and had he not left the comfort of his home and traveled to the distant lands and preached and shared the gospel, many of us would not have made heaven our home to spend eternity with the bliss and to make up the great ransom bride of Christ. And though, you know, in many ways this is a difficult day, and, but the scriptures make us this promise that the Lord is like a father to his children. He's tender and he's compassionate to those who fear him. He knows how weak we are and he remembers we are only dust and our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers would bloom and we die. The wind blows and we're gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those that fear him. So we remember that, you know, men will come and they will be a part with us on the journey of life. And then they will step off. Sometimes I think of it as like God removing someone from a chess game and set him aside, but the game goes on. And the love of the Lord remains forever with those that fear him. He knows, he remembers, and his love remains with us. And although we grieve and we have that right to do that, because today we are missing a friend, a father, a pastor, a fellow soldier, but our grief is tempered by our faith. In the, in the words of the Apostle Paul, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. And the reason we can do that is because we have a God who's not, who does not just simply understand our suffering, but he himself joined us in our suffering by living his own time upon the earth and suffered with us as a man, Christ Jesus. But one day in his time, he's going to end all suffering. 
with the dawn of a new life in a new creation in a, where a broken world will be healed and our sadness and our grief will be wiped away and everything, yes, everything, every misunderstanding, every problem will be made right. And this is why we can dismiss the thoughts of, oh, this is the last time we'll see him. No, that thought isn't right. We will see him again, and it'll be sooner than you think. We will hug and embrace again. So this is not the last time we see him because Harold Hildebrandt is not temporary, but rather sin and pain and sorrow and death is temporary. Even our parting today is temporary. And really, we have not lost him because we know where he is. Our parting is not the end of our relationship. It's only an interruption. And right at this moment, Brother Harold has experienced a place so wonderful, Jesus called it paradise. And the Bible promises us a reunion saying, we will be with the Lord forever. John 14, 1 is a very familiar scripture and one that I want to read today. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, when we think of that, Brother Branham told us in things that are to be, these mansions are more than just a palace with silver and gold. And well, that wouldn't be a mansion if we lived in these old rags of a body. But our mansions are, you know, mine I imagine is about this tall and black eyed and no gray in the hair, no, no limp in your step. You see, it's a, it's a new body. That's a real mansion. And today, Brother Harold has already moved into a mansion. The man that you saw go away is not the man he is today. He is a new man. And so when we come to a moment like this, it makes us truly long for another world, a place called heaven, where there is no suffering people, a place where there is no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no death, no parting. Brother Branham would tell us in things that are to be, he would, he would share us about his thoughts of heaven. It isn't a place of, of playing harps and, you know, endless, um, endless songs and, and, and just um, uh, 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 bands of playing and all of that. But he said um, that might have been the conception we had before the fullness of the word came or the opening of the seventh seal. But he said, heaven is a real place. And it's just as real as this place. For God started our spiritual growth in this place, but heaven is a place that is real, and we don't just sit up there for eternity and sit on a cloud and strum a harp, and, you know, but we're going to a real place where that we're going to live, we're going to work, we're going to enjoy, we're going to life, we're going to real eternal life. So you see, heaven is not a place of boredom nor eternal church service where we just sing countless songs, but rather it's a place 
where we live in a body with no sin, no sickness, no pain, no bad memories, everything washed away, all things renewed, and we'll be there with many, many others. Heaven wouldn't be heaven by ourselves, but we'll have with people we love and Finally, a restored earth living in a place of gardens and rivers and mountains and great adventures. And I look forward to some great adventures with Brother Harold on the other side and rejoicing with believers. Referring to the coming of the heavens which will be on the earth, the Bible said we will be there and our offspring with us. These are great and precious promises. Brother Branham would tell us in the message, Shalom, he said, now we see his word vindicated. We believe. So if he vindicated the word of the day, what it is, what do I care about what the year brings? What do I care about next year? What do I care whether I live today or die today? Every word he promised will be vindicated. Everyone. If he is able to do it today after promising it 2,000 years ago, if it's 100,000 years today, Jesus will return to the earth in a visible body for a church, a redeemed, a bride that will take her out of here regardless of what comes, goes, fashions, sayings go on. People can wade right on in total darkness and believe anything they want to believe, but Jesus Christ will return again. And I trust the future to him. Lord God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know you hold tomorrow. Think of that as, you know, we think of that great reunion and that time where that we are pressing toward where mortals become immortals, where we caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and missing people that they can't see you no more, but yet you're getting together with the group of all the redeemed. You see, they that are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or hinder. The word is those that are asleep, they're not dead. No, Christians don't die. You see, they're just taking a little rest. And that's all. They enter into rest from their labors. And, but at the trump, the last trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. And, and they'll appear to many. And once that they appear to us, You'll stand and look and you say, wow, there's Brother Harold, there's, there's Sister Marlene, there's this one, there's that one. Here they are. In a few moments, you'll be changed to be just exactly like them. And you'll be missing on earth too, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I believe that's what believers believe. Amen. And I want to remind the devil today, Satan, you are only temporary. You are not eternal. Your kingdom and this life of sin and death and sorrow will soon end. And it will give way to a kingdom of peace, of love and joy and happiness. Sin is temporary. It will have to end. One day evil will have to come to an end. Sickness is only temporary. Parkinson's is only temporary. And that condition that tormented him is now dead. But he's alive. He's not dead. He's in a young, new body, young and whole, a body that can be touched and felt and embraced. 
There's not an end to a child of God. For we come from God and we're going back to God. We are eternal in his thoughts. And we are eternal now. We are not at all temporary beings. But however, this life is temporary. And God meant it to be so. You see, originally man lived in paradise. And this present earth in his fallen condition is a poor and a very dim reflection of that paradise. And it was, that paradise was heaven on earth. For until man um, allowed sin to come into the picture, man was immortal. But when sin entered, man and human life became temporary. You know why? Because God's merciful. He's not going to allow us to live forever and eternally in this state of decay. But he, he allows it only for a time. We're only here for a season. Some of us with long days of life, Brother Harold had, had 70 years plus 10 because of reason of strength. God kept him and took him on. But, you know, he only allows us such a, a little slot here in time. And as I said, some with a much shorter time. Some will die in their youth or in teenagers or whatever. Because you can't stay in this mortal life forever. God did not bring this sin and sickness. You can't blame. That's on the Almighty. Sin and sickness came by man's own choice. He chose to partake of knowledge, and, and through that knowledge, he would come to know what is both good and evil. And God had made everything good. Listen, our God's a good God. He didn't make men to sin. He didn't make the sorrow and the evil and the trouble and the things that come in the world. He, he did everything in his original creation to make it perfect and good and wonderful. It was man that messed it up. You see, as we reflect on that, we remember when God said, let there be light, and there was light. He saw the light, and he said, it's good. He comes again. He brings the waters under the heavens and makes the dry land and the earth. And God saw that, and he said, it's good. Again, when he let the earth bring forth the, the fruit and the yielding of the herbs, he saw that, and it was good. And again, he would set the firmament in the heaven, the lights to rule the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. And he said, it's good. And finally, again, he would, he would bring up all living creatures of all kinds upon the earth. And he says, and it is good. And then he would say, as he made the beast of all kind and the creeping things on the earth, and he would say again, it is good. He would say six times, six times, it is good. And finally, after he had created and he was so satisfied with the perfection of his creation, he saw everything that he made and he said, it is very good. You see, God made everything on earth good and perfect, just like heaven will be. And, and in fact, this earth was like an extension of heaven. And so, in fact, Eden was a paradise of perfection. It was literally a heaven on the earth. And in God's Eden, there was no death. There was no graves. 
There was no hurt feelings. There was no partings. We were never to experience the heartache of separation that is caused by death. But yet there was a potential that life could be turned to death and earth turned to Satan's rule where death would reign. Yet God was not irresponsible, but as a loving father, he warned us. He warned our father Adam that there is a tree they were not to partake of. For by partaking of his fruit of knowledge that would come to know death and dying. By acting on this knowledge, it would cause heart-wrenching pain. By taking of this knowledge would be the reason we would need hospitals and doctors and medicine to try to alleviate the suffering of mankind. The fruit of knowledge would cause the sorrow that we feel today. Its fruit would cause every grave upon the earth and the tears of sorrow where we would lay our loved one down. But God was diligent to warn man of this tree of death because God did not want man to experience this heartache. And because of taking this tree, man would become to know knowledge of every kind of sin and pain and suffering and mortality and death. But you see, God never wanted man to die. It was not his will. He didn't want man to experience this pain and this suffering. But yet he didn't force his will upon man, but he left it to his own choice. And for a time, man would enjoy heaven on the earth in God's Eden where everything was good. And, and then he chose knowledge and partook of the tree of death. And every human would be born in bodies that are mortal. And because they're mortal, they could become injured or sick and die. So our first parents would then experience the pain of separation where jealousy turned to hate and produced the first murder where a brother would kill another and their son Abel would die. And these were the first tears at the first graveside. It was the first funeral. It was the first separation. This was the first of a long line of deaths and dying. So in the Garden of Eden were two trees. One of them the tree of life and the other the tree of death or the tree of knowledge. And when man left the tree of life to go and eat from the tree of knowledge, the first bite that he took would take him away from his master. And every time he bites on that tree of science and knowledge, he just kills himself. And he drives himself further away. So, you know, again, today sets before us those same two trees. The tree of life, which is Jesus Christ, and the tree of death. And it's, it's in the hand of every man, woman, boy, and girl to make your own choice as to which tree you will partake of. You know, man, to his knowledge has tried to bring health and happiness and peace to man, but everything that comes from that tree has evil with it. With knowledge comes good and evil. Even as we try to make mankind and give him every kind of medicine to, you know, with it comes its evil side effects. We travel faster with cars and trucks 
But with it comes poisonous gases that pollutes the air we breathe. And then horrible accidents will happen that shorten our lives here upon the earth or, or, or wounds us for that our life is miserable upon the earth. Man will bite off the tree of knowledge and, and take gunpowder and kill his brother. Gets off the tree of knowledge and gets a nuclear bomb. And now we're threatened here as, a, as all life on earth could easily end here in just moments of time. And we're closer than we ever was. Now, but there was another tree in the garden. And it was not the tree of death, it was the tree of life. And when Jesus came, he came as the fruit from that tree of life. Even so, he was life and he was the giver of life. Saying, I am that bread of life that came down from God out of heaven. Notice here that tree that he was a source of life. And he calls himself that bread of life. The bread that came down from heaven. And he spoke of giving himself. And that if a man would eat of him, he would never die. Think of this, a tree of death that would bring death. But a tree of life that if you eat of it, you'll never die. He was that bread of life, the well of life, the eternal life. And Jesus said in John 6, 47, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. In John 6 and 50, he would say, This is the bread that came down from heaven, that if a man may eat thereof and not die, I am that living bread which came down from heaven. If a man would eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So when man brought sin to the earth and defiled his purity, it was God who went about bringing reconciliation to man. And all this time since the fall, since our fall from life, God has been working to bring heaven back to man again. Almost in the same instance of the fall, God would release a plan that he would come as the seed of the woman. And he would bruise the head of the serpent and he would deliver man from the fear of death. This is why Jesus came. And when man couldn't go up to heaven and bring heaven up on the earth, God came to earth. And brought heaven down. And while upon the earth, Jesus showed us his plan of reconciliation. And everything he did when he attended funerals, he raised the dead. He opened the eyes of the blind to show he restores sight. He healed the leper to show he's the Lord over every evil disease. And as a man, Jesus would face every trial and hurt that is known to man. He came to bear the penalty of sin. And he did this to make a, a path back to heaven for us. He did this as a promised seed. But as the fruit from the tree of life, as that seed, he had to be bruised and crushed and ground to make bread. He had to do this given his own life to make a way back for man to live eternally. And he came to make a way back to life. A life of heaven. If you've ever experienced salvation, you know what it is. It's heaven down within the soul. You see, it was this clear path to life that, and, and, 
and, and a life from death that Jesus made for us. However, when Brother Harold's old house could no longer sustain him because it was broken down by age and illness, Jesus was right there to receive him and to give him complete health and a new house. One not made with hands. One that this body is at, at its best only ref, is a poor image of what it was reflecting of there. And I will say to the family today, you have a right to your time of mourning, but it need not be for years and years. You must have that time, and it will be difficult times. With waves of emotions, sometimes it will creep up and spill on you at the most unexpected time. I, I wish Harold was here. I wish Dad was here. Oh, if I could go. But like an eagle blown down in a storm, don't stay there. Plan right now to rise above it. I want to say you're not alone in your grief. Millions times millions have been exactly where you are today. You will at some point will have to open the door of your life to allow the fresh winds of joy to blow through your wings or you can fly again. I promise you this will not last forever. God will be there as your comforter to give you strength through your grief. I've had the same experience some nine months ago, losing my own, my own wife. I buried my heart. But this quote meant so much to me where Brother Branham told of being with some dear friends as I sat around the table. They were talking about love, and a certain person had said to him, I believe you are the Antichrist. And he said, well, if that would be pleasing to the Lord, that's what I want to be. I want to be whatever he wants me to be. I love him. And if he would cast me into hell, I would still love him. And if I would go with the same spirit I have. And he looked at me kind of strange. And about four or five of those young men and women, their wives, you know, them boys that love their wives, I said to them, here's a way to test it. Let's say before you were married, you had a dream that you were married. And when you woke up, you went and shared the dream with your girlfriend and I dreamed we were married and we had children and we were happy and we were waiting for the coming of the Lord. And this girl would say to you, you know, really, I got to tell you, I love another man better than I love you. I'd be happier with someone else. Could you, from your heart, love her well enough to say, God's blessings rest upon you, my dear. Go with this other man. And he said, now check that, each of you men and women. Well, if your love is correct, you would do that. You're interested in her welfare. You know she would agree to be your wife and marry you, but she would not be happy. She would rather, she'd be happier married to someone else. If you would love her right, you would want her happy. Therefore, whatever the will of God is, let God's will be done. Whether I'm happy with it or not, I want you to live so he will be pleased with what I do. Then therefore, check your objective and your motive by that, and you know whether you love God or not. What, what do you say? Well, you serve me. I'm going to cast you away. I love you anyhow. You see, I even had to come to that same place that if I truly love my wife, 
I would rather her live in that land and an unbroken and healthy body than for her to remain here in life's journey with me in a broken condition. And although for now we're separated and it's painful for me, but I had to come to that place if I truly love God, if I really trusted him, I could trust him with my life and I could know that this is his will and his purpose and it's best for me. I may not have the understanding and I may not be able to give you the understanding. But what has happened is best for you. God has your best interests at heart for you and for Brother Harold. You might think or say sometimes, you know, Jesus, Jesus just came and took our loved one away from us. And that's a cruel God that would take a child out of a mother's arms or a loving parent or our spouse or and just jerk them out of our arms and take them away in some place we can't reach or touch or feel. But that's not true. God does not come and forcefully take our loved ones from our families and from our beloved friends. But rather, when the body can no longer work, when the heart quits beating, Jesus is there to give them a new body to receive them to himself. A body that cannot die, that can never get sick. One that will never sorrow or have pain. I go to prepare a place. It will be heaven for you. So that when your mortal frame can no longer sustain life, I will receive you so that where I am, there you may be also. I go to prepare a place for you. The day of Brother Harold's passing, even as the paramedics were working with him, Sister Helen Bablitz received a call about the situation and went immediately to prayer. And no sooner she got off the phone, went into the living room, she experienced something that was so supernatural to her. She saw her deceased husband, Brother Don, suddenly appear to her and announce excitedly, Harold has arrived. I say, what a glorious picture is that? I think we can all envision that glorious entrance where the saints eagerly await and welcome the new arrivals. What Brother Branham said when he visited there, they were coming to him and clapping him on the back and saying, we knew you were coming. I mean, you finally arrived. You finally come. You, you, you have reached from that place from mortal to immortality. When my own wife passed away just nine months ago, just days before passing, one of our brothers is a solid Christian, never one to make up stuff whose words can be trusted about six in the morning. And he, was, he was awake, and a man came walking into his bedroom, and he was holding in his hand a parchment. A parchment paper, an official document. And he said these words as he held out the document to him. He said, this is to certify that Karen Pruitt is about to be ushered to the other side. You see, God knows our coming, our birth on the earth, and he knows exactly when we're going to leave. And he, he orchestrates it where that 
He makes ready for us to come. Preparations are made. A party gets ready. A greeting gets, gets there. You, you think there's a gathering here going on and from around the world. There's a gathering of millions there. That's just waiting for their turn, for their embrace, to shake his hand, to welcome him. And say, we knew you were coming. Men and women, maybe that he didn't know he'd even touched our lives, will have their own story. Brother Harold, you were here. You were there at the right time. That message you preached turned my life around. It gave me a will and a zeal to go on. But you see, we are here to serve God's purpose. And what a consolation it is to know that he is in control of our lives. And Satan cannot take us until our purpose is fulfilled. You see, he could not drown Noah in the flood until the purpose of God had been finished. He could not burn the Hebrew children up until the purpose of God had been finished. He could not kill Job with all the boils and the troubles until the purpose of God had been finished. Neither could lions eat Daniel until God's purpose had been finished. And neither could death or old age take Abraham until the purpose of God had been finished. And neither can it take you or take me until the purpose of God of our life is finished. And Brother Harold's life was certainly not without purpose. No, sir, God used him as a vessel to herald the message around the world. And he used him as a pastor to shepherd the sheep. And that's why there is an end time message tabernacle. He mentored us. He inspired us. He encouraged us. He led many of you to the fountain of living water. That you too could know a living God and experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yet today is not the end. Life must go on. The church here must go on. The family must go on. The message must go on. The ministry must continue. And now, Brother Harold did his part, but we must continue on without his hand on our shoulder. He's no longer here for us to lean upon, for him to impart wisdom and advice. But today, we are still here among the mortals. Brother Harold is not. He has joined the ranks of the immortals. You see, Brother Harold had a terminal disease, and so do we all. So do we all. It's called mortality. The current death rate is 100%. And unless Jesus comes soon, we're all going to die. We don't like to think about it, but this day forces us to think about our own mortality. That means that worldwide, that three people die every second. 180 every minute. Nearly 100 or 11,000 every hour. And since the Bible is right about what happens to us after death, it means that more than 250,000 people every day will either go to heaven or go to hell. Yeah. And you've got to be prepared to leave this realm of immortality or mortality and enter the realm of the mortal whether it's by death or by the rapture, you've got to make preparations. What will you have done with your life? You will give an account. It doesn't matter if you're 
thought of as just a housewife or whether you are a working man or a father, whether you're a pastor of a church or whether you're a great missionary and apostle of the faith as Brother Harold, you will give an account. Today, you have a decision of what to do with the rest of your life. Changes can be made from this moment. Can we be inspired by this man and this ministry to press even higher, to pick up that torch that he by his departure was forced to lay down? Can we run to the finish line? Somebody has to finish this race. I believe we are among a bunch of finishers today. But life is short. And it's too short even if we die at 80. It's just a moment. And it's gone. The Bible says that life is but a vapor. Yet you don't know the least thing about what may happen tomorrow. What's the nature of your life? You're really like a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then disappears into thin air. All our strength finally turns to weakness. Brother Harold, the man who with his fingers could take a a Coca-Cola bottle in Africa and flip off the lid and take that lid and squeeze it together with his fingers. His life soon turns to vapor. No matter your strength today, as time tarries, you will face this very moment. The Bible said in Psalms 39, you have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Again, he said in Psalms 89, remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human ex- existence. No one can live forever. All will die. No man No one can escape the power of the grave. So this reminds us that life passes by quickly. And since we can't go back and delete what we don't like and rewind our life and so I can live it differently, the best we can do now is make every day ahead of us count. And knowing that each moment that we have slips quietly into the past, it should inspire us to make the most of every second. Limiting regret and the should-haves and the could-haves and the would-haves gives us courage to make the best of me every day of my life. You know, as we go along life's journey, it seems like our mind just gets all tangled with knots. Things that happen, troubles that comes, in this life, and why did this happen to me, and how come this, and why couldn't we have a different outcome, and why would this be, and how, and oh, if it could have been, all these knots became untangled, are are tangled in our mind, and we are complex individuals as we look and we wonder, why, why, why now? Why now did he have to go? Why, 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 why not more years? Why not more time? Why, my wife dies at a young age, just in her early 60s. Why, who, who, what, why, why, who, who comforts me in my older years as I go along life? Why, why? 
A child is snatched out of our hands and out of a mother's arms by a tragic moment. And we wonder why. Troubles come, heartaches. But one day, we'll stand in his presence. And he will stand there and with his majestic fingers, he'll go through our mind and he'll twist out every knot and make everything plain. And we will look and we will know. It was all for my good. All the questions will unravel then. The resurrection's promised of one of the greatest crownings of the gospel and its divine promises. And I just want to say today as we come and we think of this moment that for him all afflictions is gone, all troubles is left, all heartaches And when I think of the millions of people that are already there and the untold number that are still pressing, this very moment to embrace him, shaking his hands, finding out things that he didn't know. I was saved in your meetings in Africa. I was influenced by, and led to Christ. It was there when you preached such and such message, I came to the altar. I was influenced like Daddy Bosworth shaking hands with people on the other side. Oh, you know, and he could hear him say, oh, I met you. Oh, it was in the meetings at San Jose or in Joliet, Illinois. Oh, oh, that's where you came to Christ in that meeting. It'll be a long time yet while embracing, greeting, and that gathering there, even as we gather here today. But he doesn't have any effects of any illness now. He's young and healthy, dressed in a celestial body. And I got news for you. He don't want to come back here. He enjoyed his birthday, but he don't want this to be here today. He's enjoying a greater day there. And I got something to say. This is not his death. This is his coronation day. God bless you. Amen. This concludes, and thank you so much for those words. I know there's so many things we go through our mind while we're here, but it is a fact that the prophet said, at the best, this life is a pest house. At its best. And he's gone on to the Father's house. And we're going to just make it an out. Let's just sing how beautiful heaven would be. I think it's key of D. Or I'm not sure. How beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free.
quartet to come up at this time this concludes the service here we're going to go directly from here to the hall and please uh, do just exactly that don't linger visit block the aisle walk go if you're going for fellowship and and little refreshments go directly there and uh, so that we don't bottle up in here and uh, I'll invite the deacons to come at this time and we'll we're brother uh, Brother Tim and myself will take the family out, if you would, and then the deacon will come up and take out the rest, and Brother Ed will take out the rest of you ministers first before the congregation. So if you follow that, if you, if you missed it, just follow the one ahead of you. <laughs> we all get it at the same time. God bless you, brothers. As you go to singing, we'll, we'll conclude this part. God bless you all. If I leave this world of sorrow Sometime before you do Just look for me in Is wrong. Ch 
Charming roses bloom forever. 
Separations come 